Thanks, guys. I, I wonder if anyone has noticed that the world is not perfect. I wonder if anyone has ever felt the sting of being betrayed. I, I wonder if anyone has ever just... Um, just been in a moment where you thought, man, the world could just never be made right, and all of my problems cannot go away. It's just, there is no answer, and, and, and it just seems like it's just too much. And sometimes, in our own mind, I think we think that that's the way it just has become. But all of a sudden, now, it's more intense, and, and, and it's, it's, but I would like for you to know that it's been that way almost from the very beginning. And you say, well, why is that? You know, is, is God real and does God care about his people? I mean, why would such things happen? And I think that when that happens, we need to recognize that what has occurred in the beginning of Scripture that is still alive today. And there is such a thing that is sin that has separated us from God. And I, and I want to examine that a little bit today. The first thing that, that I want to say is, have you guys ever played hide-and-seek? You know, I... I was thinking about it the other day. I still like to play. No one ever asked me to play, but I like it. And I also like to, when you ask me to play, I want to give it a whole lot of thought. And I want to find the place you will never find me. But there's something wrong with that because I, I get there and then you don't find me and the game's not any fun. I mean, because ultimately I'm sitting by myself, and eventually, you know, if you've ever done it, they just give up, you know. And then you say, oh, here I am, and then you've got to go find another spot. I think um, I, I've always enjoyed it, you know, especially in the summertime when the lightning bugs are out and it started to get dark, and you'd find the right spot either behind a bush or something like that. I, I, I don't know why it's fun, but it is. And, you know, eventually someone says, where are you? I can't find you. Where are you? Maybe, maybe you just start, make it throw a rock, you know, try to give them a little excitement because, you know, you're too good for the game. They need to catch up with you. Throw a rock, maybe make a noise or, or just yell out something, and then they start trying to figure out what's, what's going on, that kind of stuff. Maybe you start giggling. I don't know. There's something about it. It's not just for kids. I think people enjoy it. Finding the missing person, trying to disappear. I don't know. People love it. As we look at Genesis this morning, we see that hide-and-seek is a game that was from the very beginning. From the very beginning, it was something that was going on in the Garden of Eden. And this morning, you can look, open up to, to Genesis chapter 3. And, and you know this, this story very well. Uh, but I, I'll jump down to the 8th verse. You, you know where Adam and Eve um, eat the forbidden fruit and those type things. But I want to focus on where, where God comes into the garden. So... It's in that 8th verse. I know you've been standing, but would you stand with me one more time? Let's read 8 through 15 this morning. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And we said, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? And then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And so the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, 
You are cursed more than all cattle and all more, more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seeds and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall, and, and you shall bruise his heel. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. You may be seated. So the text begins with there's trouble in paradise. Now, no one, just give me space here. Don't critique what I'm about to say because I know it doesn't hold up and it's not real. But one of my favorite places in all the world to be is an animal kingdom in Walt Disney World. And I love to be on the... Um, Man, I can't even think of the name of it. What is it where you get on and they go see all the animals? I can't even think of it. Safari. I love it. They, they, they've created this sense that all the animals are out there and they're not attacking each other. They've got them separated, you know, in some way so that those who would eat each other are not there. But you don't really get that. You know, you just kind of go through there and you just see this wonderful, expansive savanna and the giraffes are over here and there's this Ancoli cattle that are there and they're. Um, uh, hyenas in this section and you just kind of view it all and they're kind of eating and I'm just enjoying the right now I do want it to be a nice breeze and the sun's not baking on me but I just kind of think man this is like paradise everyone's working so well together no one hates each other all of that stuff and just love it to be there and I, and I think that's in our minds we got to understand that in the beginning now you may not think that that was the paradise what I described but I love it but in the beginning, it was a paradise. I mean, it was all working together. There was no discord. It was just, it was wonderful. And, and, and that's the scenario that we find ourselves in with Adam and Eve. A wonderful place. Maybe it's not animal kingdom, but that's just kind of my thought about it. And the first thing that we find is that there's trouble here in paradise. God created the world. Everything is good. He made Adam from the dust of the ground. He breathed life into him. Um, and he gave him the task of working and, and keeping the Garden of Eden. God gave him a purpose. He gave him a companion, Eve, and who was to be the helper, the partner. And they were both naked, and they were not ashamed. They were naked, and there was not this sense of, of shame. It was just, everything was just, was just perfect. And Adam and Eve were allowed to live in that garden and to roam it and they could eat from any tree except that one tree that tree of of knowledge of good and evil for when they would eat it they would surely die both physically and spiritually but then there's this serpent which we have come to realize and think that satan has has come into this with this spit and this comes to them and he speaks sweet words to them, the things that they want to hear that, you know what, you can be more powerful. You can be the one who knows all things. You can be as strong and as powerful as God if you just want to eat that. Ultimately, you are God. Is really what's happening in this saying. So they're some half-truths there. Ultimately, you can become God. You're not the God of all God of all creation, and ultimately your kingdom will fail, and ultimately it will reign in on itself, but you can become your own version of a God. So it's kind of a half-truth. So she does eat this forbidden fruit. 
She saw it was pleasing to the eye, and she gave in good for food, and she gave it to her husband, Adam, who was with her. He ate. And as they chewed, their eyes become open to things that they had never seen before. All of a sudden, they know things they didn't know before. They know good, and they know evil, and they know what they have lost perfection is gone and all of a sudden all the animals on animal kingdom are running over each other and they're like oh my goodness what has happened if you're like me and you know that I'm a student of lyrics there's a song that says you can check out but you can never leave that's what this is about it's a growing it's a loss of innocence they've gone past and it's gone no more can they go back to where they were before it is now different because they ultimately have decided they will be gods sin has entered in sin has corrupted them has defiled their nature where they were innocent and where they were really perfect in the sense that God created them they now are not their nakedness which was a sign of a healthy relationship between them is now something unpleasant and it is something that they have that contains shame fact their nakedness reminds them of their sin and their shame and what is the first thing that they try to do when they see their nakedness their sin and their shame they try to cover it up you know what that's like you ever try to cover up something that wrong even as a little boy I remember I was a interesting boy. I like to know how things work, right? I just, everything. And if you left me along and with tools, I'd pull stuff apart. I remember, and this is back in the days when those tubes were in TVs, I'd pull that TV apart. And I'd want to see all about it. Now, I never, liked, I never got one of those big jolts like, you know, you get in those tube TVs, but I'd pull it apart. Anything. If it had screws, I wanted to know how it worked. I'd pull it apart. Most of the time, I got things back together. Occasionally, I would break something. And do you know what I would do when I'd break things? I'd try to put it back together, put a little tape on it. I'd try to, you know, put the this, this screw in there so it wouldn't be somehow, maybe even find some glue. And I'd like, oh, no, maybe nobody will ever notice. almost every time they found it. Now, I think there are some times that my parents don't know what I did. That's okay in a sense. But most of the time, I was thinking that I could hide it, that I could protect, I could cover it up. But ultimately, they would find it. It's like our lives often. We do something wrong. We don't want anyone to know whether it's because we want to be perceived as perfect or it's because ultimately we've done something we, we don't want to offend or we want to hide for whatever reason. And we begin to do exactly that. We cover up. And as I look at all of you today, I'd say, you may not have covered up the way that I did with tape and glue and all kinds of things, but you've up in your life. You've covered up when you did something that you know you shouldn't have done and you'd want anybody to know. Fooling anybody. It's the same with Adam and Eve. 
they're, they're trying to cover up their sin. They're trying to cover up what they've done wrong. They don't want anybody. They, number one, there are, they're not even together anymore. Instead of going to God, they try to fix the problem themselves. Their guilt, their sin, their shame, it leads them to guess what happens so many times in our own life. They begin to be self-atoning. They begin to be self-protecting. They begin to be self-preserving. They begin to do all of these things. They've got to cover themselves, and I've got to survive. I don't know anybody else. And I'll run over whoever I need to to make sure that I can be my own and protect myself. And they use fig leaves to cover themselves. And it works from hiding from each other. But not before God. They later take it a step farther. And once they hear God, they decide to hide in the trees of the garden. Hide and seek. If he can't see me, he can't find me. But ultimately, that never works. You're only fooling yourself. You will be found. It's not a threat. It's what happens. How many of you have ever played hide-and-seek in such a way that you know no one could ever find you? I found you. You're here right now. You'll always be found. Man cannot cover up. Man cannot atone for or pay for his own sin. Man cannot. There is no way. God knows it is broken, the relationship, and no matter what they try, and no matter what we try, and we try today, no matter what, we can never break that, bring it back together. We can't. It's this game of hide and seek, and it begins and it continues on and on for so many of us. God walks in the cool of the day, and they decide to hide themselves among the trees, and God says, Where are you? It's a normal thing to say, right? Hey, Ryan, where are you? Sometimes in the church, I know he's here. And you walk around circles, and I think he's walking around the other way. And I say, Ryan, where are you? Just me and him. It's normal. You're looking for people. Sometimes it's even my dogs. Where are you? I don't have to usually hunt for the dogs. They're all over me usually. But you might get the person's attention. You say, hey, I'm over here. Perhaps, like my animals, they come in. You can just say anything. They come running. They're happy to see you. But I think it's strange that God would come and he would say, where are you? Why, why, is God, why is God doing that? He's the creator of the universe. And if we believe that he knows all things and knows all things and knows your heart deeply, and he knows where you are, why is he asking, where are you? I mean, Genesis 1 and 2 talks about what a powerful God that brings all things together. Instead, it's a question. And it's a question that's meant for Adam. It's not for God. It's meant for Adam. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to say, hey, I'm right here. It's an invitation. It's not really condemnation here, although there's some part of that because that's already happening in Adam's heart. It's a call of mercy, and it's a call of love. Even though you've done wrong, separated from me. Hey, I'm still interested in being your friend. I'm still being in this relationship with you. I've gone nowhere. I'm not hiding. Where are you? It's a question of self-realization. It's a question of self-realization that is being asked of us even today. Where are you in your relationship with God? Adam, where are you in the relationship that we had 
It's not the way it used to be. There's a separation between us, and I miss you. And where are Adam and Eve? They're separated from God by their own choosing. They used to be in His presence, and now they're fearfully fleeing from it. You know, separation from God in the Old Testament always leads to death, spiritually, physically, and tragically. But they're also separated from each other. They're disconnected from God, but they're disconnected from each other. They can't even have this proper communion with each other anymore. Just look. Look at Adam's response. Hearing God's call, Adam steps forward, he speaks, he's found. Adam tells God that the reason that he's hiding is because he was naked and afraid. And to that, God says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of me of which I've commanded you not to eat? And here, he, here the rails really come off. It's just kind of open up and he says, well, it's her fault. I mean, really, really seriously, they have such great communion and all of a sudden sinners entered in and now it's all about you need to be downplayed so I can be up. I can be lifted up. It's her fault. That's crazy. The woman that you gave to be with me, he says. But Eve is no better in the sense. She doesn't say, well, it's his fault. But she says, no, it was his snake's fault. He deceived me. Trouble in paradise. Trouble in the world today. I don't know what you believe, but you're wrong. And, and, and if you're not, I don't smash you down to the ground. I can't be lifted up. And we need to destroy you in all sense so that we, that's the way the world works. Whether it's an organization, whether it's political, that is what's happened. And I want you to know right here, it's from the very beginning, and it's because of sin. It's because of sin. It is because of people wanting to be God and not allowing God to be God. That is what has happened. And the relationship between people who hate each other is because of sin. And we can describe it all kinds of ways. You can say you're narrow-minded. You can say you're open-minded. You can say all kinds of things. But I want you to know today, it's all right here in the very beginning. It is sin. And sin still is alive in the world today. It is the reason that we cannot be the people that God called us to be is because of sin. We're still hiding, we're still protecting, we're still saying, look, it's not me, it is sin. When you look at it, we're not the only ones who do that, it's us. God calls out to us even today, where are you? And I think we're like our first parents. Often we're hiding from God. You know what, if I stand back far enough... I know that Joe, I'm trying to pick somebody's name who doesn't hear, but Joe, here's a Joe here. I know that Joe's worse than me. God will see him first. He doesn't hide as well as I do. Therefore, I'm good. God is calling, where are you? And sometimes it's not just about that. Sometimes, and sometimes we, we've gotten way past that first stage, that first stage where we know what we've done wrong and we've separated from God. And then we begin to do this. We hide, we hide from everybody because we think what we've done is too big and too bad to ever be forgiven. There's no way. And I've done it so many times, I could be forgiven. It is, it is burning, and I, and I am just a wretch, and there's no way that God could ever restore anything about me. Maybe we can't, even, maybe we can't forgive ourselves for what we've done. And think that God might not, might not be able to forgive us. And many times, we just refuse to acknowledge our sin. 
And we try to hide it from our sight as though it never happened and as though there's not a God who has said one way or the other. Perhaps some shame and embarrassment happens. It's like a tidal wave that sometimes can overwhelm us and it consumes us. And you know what's even worse about that? Is sometimes we make the distance from God even farther, or at least we think we do. I used to be so close, and then I wasn't, and now, oh, I can never get back. So you know what? I'm just going to continue, and I'm going to act like I'm going to act like there's not even a God. You know what? Uh, my life is not going to ever line up with God, and so therefore God must not be real. And then we have a whole, whole idea and a concept that people have devoted their entire lives to say that God's real. I find that fascinating, that you would devote your whole life to say that God's not real. If God's not real, why are you worried about it? I mean, seriously, why do we spend so much time thinking about it? But that's what happens often in our, in our own lives. And so we begin to hide behind the veil and say, it's not real, let's, you know, and we hide among the trees. Try to cover up our sin. And there's all kinds of ways that that might be. Yeah, we, sometimes we just get tired of it. But there, there are particular sins where, where perhaps we're hiding paraphernalia that absolutely we know that God would not be pleased us participating in. We're hiding, and, and somehow we don't want anyone to use our computer because if they saw, they might be able to see what we've been viewing. We're hiding. We're hiding because we don't want anyone, don't, don't drive in my car because you might see, smell, do something. Don't, don't, don't come here. We hide all over the place. These friends better not, mess, better not get together with these friends because if they do, then all of a sudden we're exposed. We're always, always trying to hide. We might succeed in hiding things from other people. But we can't from God because he's still saying, where are you? We end up putting band-aids on bullet holes, thinking somehow we'll be okay. Trying to put fig leaves together as though somehow now we're good. And we only fool ourselves. But still, like them, we might even use the same excuses. Their fault, God. If, if I didn't do that, they would have stole it from me. I, 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 I had to take revenge, God, because ultimately things had to be made right, and, and you're not doing it. If they didn't, then I wouldn't have. And sometimes it's all your fault, God. You're the reason. It's the fault. I'm hiding from you, but it's your fault. I wouldn't have fill in the blank. Just fill in the blank. We come up with all kinds of crazy excuses and make ourselves somehow come together. But look at Psalm 131 through 2. It says, it, it really depicts the reality of the situation. In these hiding spots, it says, Out of the depth I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Psalms, this image of, of being drowned, of being overwhelmed in deep waters, which is what that depth refers to. And I remember learning to swim. I remember, you know, I really didn't want to learn to swim. I just wanted to jump off the diving board. And it was a public pool back then. You know, those diving boards were not like they were today. We had like a 16-foot diving board, and then even the low dive was like six feet high. And all I did, I, and, my, and my dad said, yeah, you can jump off that. I'll save you. Yeah, I did jump off. 
And as he just backed away and I'm starting swimming and, and, and really it's 16 foot deep. You know, if you got a 15 foot dive, you had a 16 foot pool. I, I don't think they even let those things happen anymore. It's like Lake Lanier, right? 30 feet deep. And he was just say, please save me, Dad. You know, my dad would just let me tread enough. And just if I would go underwater, he'd come in and he'd grab me. But I did learn to swim that day. I didn't want to be in the shallow section. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be in the deep section. And so I went out there. And our sin is a little bit like that. We get trapped. We get bound. And we start sinking. And we're in deep water. And we didn't even know how deep it was. We just kept going. That's the way sin is. You know, you start in the shallow end. And you go a little deeper. And you go a little deeper. And you can then begin to tread water. And next thing you know is, oh my goodness, look how far away I am from ever being able to stand on my own. And I'm going to die here. The psalmist is saying, here I am in the depths of water where I cannot save myself. Left by ourselves, we're going to drown. Left by ourselves, we will die because there is no way to get back to God. And don't we try. Positive thinking will do that for you, right? Hey, if you just self-improve, if you'll every day get a little better, you'll, you'll be okay in life. It won't do it. We cannot get ourselves out. We are separated from God, and someone has to reach out and grab us in our brokenness that we cry out like the psalmist, Oh, Lord, hear my voice, God. Where are you, God? Because God has always been calling, where are you? He's never left, and no matter how deep you go, he's still saying, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And we begin to not hear it, but he's still saying, where are you? And so whether we, we may be separated by God, and there's no way back except for the fact that God is always pursuing. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And only when we come back and say, and turn around and say, God, where are you? That's when we end up in a spot where God is reaching out. Look at the first thing that God does in Scripture. He gives them clothing. The fig, tree, fig leaves are not enough. It's an interesting thing that I read, and I was trying to find a little bit more background, but I'll tell it to you even though I'm, it may not be scriptural. It's interesting. I was trying to find some Scripture to it, that he was, they were clothed with skin. Guess what kind of skin they probably were clothed with? lamb skin the lamb would be able the one they would bring them back the lamb would be able to to cover them and bring them back into a relationship he provided what they needed even though they had been broken in the relationship god is always there saying where are you i'm here to help you're in the garden where are you god still promising victory over an old foe where are you, God? I'm sending in the form of a woman's seed a Christ for you. Where are you, God? Jesus on the cross pursuing you. Where are you, God? What's even interesting is here we are. We talk about the separation from God that we have, that we feel like we all our own. But God is saying, where are you? And then you know the words of Christ on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? He has taken the separation for us that we would not have to experience it. Where are you, God? He's been separated. We don't have to be separated because he gave us the connection. Do you understand? When we say, where are you, God? God says, I'm right here. 
And Jesus himself, where are you, God? He took the burden from us. It's there on the cross. Jesus paid for our separation through his separation with his outstretched arms on that cross. It's at the cross that we see God's wonderful, fully redemptive plan where he's redeemed us from all of our iniquities. It is there that we see our salvation so loud and so clear where it was really won. And where are you, God, today? He's in the depths with us, pulling us out with a nail-pierced hands. No matter where we may hide, God always finds us and always will. God is in the Word. He's in the baptism when we're joined with Jesus in death and resurrection. He's in the bread and the wine that we partake together for the forgiveness of sins. God is everywhere looking for us. And where are you? You can be with God and have a restored relationship because of Jesus Christ part of his family no longer separated and you can be with him in paradise one day forever and ever we may hide but God will always seek and God will always find it is a good game God is always seeking he's always finding he's never giving up the biggest thing that we've got to recognize is we're not God we are not God. And you say, of course I'm not God. Well, I want you to pay attention to how you live. And the things that you say. And the things that you do. I want you to know, and I will not, I cast no judgment on anybody. I've seen some of the worst things I've ever seen spoken to people by Christians. And that Christian would say, I'm not God. Yeah, often they are. They want, they believe, and they believe. It's inside of them. Listen to God. None of us have ever lived without sin. We've been separated. He's restored us. But I want you to know that we believe, this is serious, that just because you came to know and accept his forgiveness doesn't mean that you could not then eat the apple again or apple, eat the fruit again. That you could say, you know what? I kind of tried that, but I'm going to go back. And, and I think you know, often people try to do one way. They hit their head on this altar, and they grab the fruit as soon as they get up, and they come back and hit the head on the altar. I want you to know, whatever's going on, God still is saying, stop eating the apple. Accept Christ. You're not going to be perfect, ever. But try to live for him. This morning, we're going to have communion. But before we have communion, I think you need an opportunity to respond. So I'm going to ask you to stand and... Um, as Ryan comes and plays, if you need to take any action this morning with God, uh, do it. You don't have to come down to this altar, but you're welcome to do that this morning. Before we celebrate the communion with God and the price that Christ paid, let's make sure that we're in that communion with him this morning. Because God is still saying, where are you? What is your relationship with him this morning? If you need to take action, take it now.
God is speaking and he's still calling out. I don't know anyone's heart today, but I do know this. There is no better place than to be in communion with God. Do whatever's necessary this morning to make sure that you run to him. Oh God, hear our cries this morning, Lord. We look at a world that is broken, and often it is so easy to place blame and point fingers. But God, I recognize that it all begins with me. If I want any change, God, in this world, I got to make sure that it's right with me. And God, I pray that that's the, the prayer of all of our hearts, Father. Work in me this morning. I know the world's not perfect, Lord, but it can't begin to get better unless it begins to get better with me. And God, I come to you. And I say, I'm sorry, Lord, that I have decided that I would be the one who would make the world right. I'm sorry, Lord, that I would be the one who would be on the throne. I turn it over to you. I am not God. All I want to do is have a relationship with you this morning, God. And I want you to indwell in me. And I want to have that perfect peace, Lord. I want to live in a paradise, Lord, that is a future place, Lord, but it actually begins today. And you help, you call us to help establish part of that paradise here upon this earth, Lord. Help me to be right there with that, God. there be any wickedness in me, God, show it to me. I want to get rid of it. I want your glory and your presence this morning. Whatever it takes, help us, God, I pray. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. If you didn't receive a communion element this morning, if you'll raise your hand, uh, we'll make sure we get those. Gerald will take care of this side. Anybody on this side needs any? Joe will get you some if, if, if you need some. There's a couple of hands over here. You can be seated if you're standing where I will. have one if you're not familiar with these there's two different types take off that first cellophane top we'll, we'll expose the wafer there Christ met with his disciples and about to fulfill the plan that had been made for him, for God, that we might be able to have peace with God completely forever and ever and have him dwell in us. He was explaining to him the process that would happen and he took the bread and he shared it among his disciples and he said, this is my body that will be broken for you. As often as you take it, eat it in remembrance that I died for you. that second layer of that cellophane there. As Christ was meeting 
And he passed the cup around and he wanted to share the wine. He said, this is my blood that will be shared for you, that we shed for you. As often as you take it, do it in remembrance that I died for you. And may it preserve you blameless into life everlasting. Take and drink the cup. invite you to stand and receive a blessing this morning as we are dismissed you can release your power and receive what God has for you this morning may the God of the very beginning of scripture Genesis make it known to you his pursuit and may you turn to him with all of your heart go in Jesus, go in Jesus name knowing that he loves you you are dismissed